you ever seen someone do really well and wonder how on earth they managed it? I found myself asking that very question at times, and now I want to uncover the elements that go into creating success, influence, connection, and most importantly, happiness in people's lives. My friends, welcome to the High Performance Human Podcast. And welcome back, team, to the High Performance Human Podcast. I am absolutely over the moon, not just because you're here listening to us on this episode, team, but because of the guest that you're also listening to. Shanna Kennedy is a personal mentor of mine, aside from anything else. I'll get that one out there straight away. But as well as that, she is being a revered coach, personal business coach for a number of years now, uh, working not only in terms of high performance with uh, businesses, both small, medium, large, but also in the sports world as well, working with a number of AFL athletes and sports athletes and athletics and all sorts of really, really cool, fun stuff. Um, She is an incredible, an incredible human being to get around and be around. She's a mum of two and has done that tremendously well by the looks of it as well, because the two two products of her success of of clearly doing very, very well in their own right. She's just an incredible person, and and I am so, so privileged to have uh, some degree of a connection with her. Um, Shanna, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, what a welcome. That's a pretty stellar welcome, wasn't it? There's a high-performance welcome, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. What a privilege to be able to share tools, tips, tactics with people in the format of a podcast because you never know the ripple effect. You know, someone might be going for a walk or listening in their car and you don't know if someone's life is going to change. And my life has changed from listening to podcasts. Um, I think it's the most incredible platform. So kudos to you for for getting it out there. Oh, look, I, I, I just... I just I just deliver the content. Call me the postman, and then it's all all of you wonderful people that come and join me that that make this thing really really cool. And look, I, it's been a tremendous it's been a tremendous experience today, and it's been so exciting to see uh, the varying answers that have come from so many incredible people. And I'm and I've been keen and very very eager to get you on board, Shanna, because I came across you. Uh, a few years ago, a number of years ago now, uh, when you were on a podcast with uh, a good friend of mine and uh, former mentor, Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos, um, their Voices of Value podcast. And you really, you really leapt to my attention. I was, I've been an avid listener of that podcast and and some incredible guests on that, on there. But when you came on, I loved a couple of things. First, the first thing, and I was and I was reflecting back on this before this before we had this conversation. The first thing that I loved about the way that you went about your business is it's it's so unashamed in its approach, and yet somehow manages to make everybody around you feel happy. Normally, when people have this sort of uh, for want of a better word, a one-eyed approach to how they do things, it can polarize opinion, right? It can it can be a little bit, you know, Vegemite. You either love it or you hate it, sort of thing. 
But with you, you have this universal likability, even though you are very, very focused on how you go about the game of life. Um, I, I, I just I needed to make that comment uh, first and foremost because team, when you're listening through the rest of this episode, you'll see what I mean. You'll hear what I mean. Like you'll know exactly what I mean by the end of it. All right. So Shanna, thank you so much for joining us. Now we do have a bit of a customary sort of MO on this podcast. We, we ask a couple of quick questions before we get into the nuts and bolts. First one for the few people that don't know who you are and my gosh, they're going to want to after this. <laughs> Give us a bit of an elevator spiel, a bit of an MO on who you are and how you got to where you are today. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't get here on the linear line. I wanted to be a stockbroker. You know, I watched Wall Street, the movie, and I thought Gordon Gecko is pretty hot and making lots of money. I'm going to be a stockbroker. <laughs> so I was one of those people that just rang and rang and rang and rang until they gave me a job in the filing department. And within a couple of years, I was the first girl to ever sit on the trading desk. And this is like over 25 years ago, like a long, long time ago. Um, and then I really thought about, you know, it is a bit like the Wolf of Wall Street around here. This is no place for a girl in the 80s, late 80s. Mm. So I changed um, career tact and um, went into the sport industry where I got into the golf golf industry, sponsor, um, managing golfers. Then Bollet Sunglasses saw me at the golf. I said, we love what you do. You can be the sponsorship manager. So I turned into Jerry Maguire pretty quickly. Hmm. And my job was to buy and sell athletes. And I really learned about relationship building then. And I really was around high performance. There was over 100 athletes under my watch in 10 different sports. So I had a curbside position really looking at what is high performance all about? What? Who does it well? Who doesn't do it well? What is the formula? What are the tips? But they were all coming to me for advice, which was really bizarre. So when I married my job um, in the late 20s there, I got very sick. I got chronic fatigue syndrome. So that, that just took me out. That sidelined me. And in that time, I studied life coaching to be a life strategist for right. who are you without their job? Because a lot of athletes out there don't know who they are without their job. You know, you get dropped from the team, you get injured, um, and ever that they're lost. They're completely lost, and all of that happens before thirty usually. So it was a, it was a big thing to study coaching because nobody had ever heard of it. And I was I think I was the first in Melbourne to be qualified in the International Coaching Federation. Um, so I was going out spruiking something no one had heard of. Wow. And you know what, though, I don't. Th it's not just sports people. I think we all attach our identity to what we do, right? And and you know that's it's very much a part of who we are. And 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 we certainly saw it when uh, that first lockdown. I certainly saw it in that first lockdown. The volume of you know Teflon built salespeople that that were on the phone to me, almost you know pretty much not almost in tears, actually in tears because they'd had their identity stripped from them in a heartbeat, right? Um, yeah. So I yeah, so it, it, and and it's something that lots of people still struggle struggle to focus on is, is that bearing of who they are without the the uh you know the, the title the, armor, the suit the title the whatever right um it's it's a very confronting topic for for all of us really um so i love i yeah that's probably one of the reasons why 
I've gravitated towards you because you know um, you know it's something that I think we all need to work on from time to time. Um, so um, and we yeah. all need to review it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, right? It doesn't matter whether you're a parent or a CEO or a sport leader or a real estate agent or, you know, the business owner. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to think about who you are without your title because that can be taken away at any time. And for actually, it's never talked about a eulogy for that matter either, is it? Nobody talks about, oh, wow, she sold, you know, 100,000 books and, you know, he sold that many props. Nobody cares. Everyone cares about you, the person, how you make people feel. Um, did you have longevity in your career? You know, were you basically successful or whatever it might be? But nobody really talks about your career. So it's a very dangerous place to live. But when you put the spotlight on yourself and you build the person and then you, you know, make sure that you have that long-term ongoing success, that's a just a much better outcome for high performance than, you know, trying to do it all at the expense of a lot of other things mm. um, and destroying the world around you and your own confidence, really, because as soon as it stops you, you fall off the cliff. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Now, Talking of high performance, um, I have a firm belief, Shanna, and you are way more of a pro at it, at all this sort of stuff than I am, but I firmly believe that there are four elements to uh, becoming a high performance human, namely success, influence, connection, and happiness. But in your worldly opinion, having dealt with countless numbers of high performing humans and being one yourself, uh, in all sincerity, what would you say is the definition of a high-performance human? Well, I've been an executive coach for 20 years now, so I'm really showing my age here. <laughs> um, coached over a 1,000 people. A lot of work has gone into this and coaching the gap of where people are and where they want to get to. I think high-performing human has four traits and four things to really think about. It's an individual that consistently achieves excellence personally and professionally over a long time. So they need self-awareness, self-leadership, self-management, and going into self-mastery because it all comes from self at the end of the day and happiness is an inside job, as we know. So self-awareness, really knowing who you are, um, what's most important to you, your own set of values, your own mental, physical and emotional health, then self-leadership, where are you going um, and how are you going to get there? What are the goals? Self-management is about your habit plans and, um, you know, you know, managing your time, all of those kinds of things. And self-mastery comes into that real um, mastery of skill where you just take everything up and elevate to a new level, whether it be a skill set, how you breathe, how you move, how you sleep, how you negotiate, how you turn up and do a sale, how you present yourself is that mastery bit where you really want to go that step first. So I, I, I think it's awareness, leadership, management and mastery. That's an interesting one. That's a very, very interesting one, actually. I, I, I think the the four elements, you know, awareness, leadership, management, and mastery. I I, I think that that combination certainly covers. Um, it certainly covers all the facets, right? Because you know, in order to be a high performance human, you need to have, and I think that mastery piece in particular is really sticking out to me out of the four because um, it's as as long as that mastery is is aligned with 
where you want to end up right um you know there's no it's all well and good being incredible at something right but if it doesn't float your boat you know and and and, and doesn't and it isn't aligned with that self-awareness piece then there's going to be a disconnect there i i was chatting to uh john uh john fung uh, cro of uh, domain he used the word congruence which i think mm. is a tremendous word uh for for a lot of this uh, and congruence with between one's goals and one's values mm-hmm. um he and I, and I thought that was a tremendous tremendous way of looking at it because and again it kind of ties in with the four elements that i've been talking about um because without one the other three aren't quite going to fit are they they're not quite going to operate as 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 what we'd like so now the bit that i want to talk about straight off the bat and by the way team this is very very unscripted this conversation all right because uh, so um you know I, I am putting shannon on the spot a little bit here i have this thing about the prefix self right the prefix self i have this thing because we as human beings are inherently pack animals, right? And and that's what we were invented to be or whoever invented us, whichever way you look at it. And I have this concern, and I actually did a little bit of homework on this, and this was, was this last year or the year before, on the correlation between the increase of the use of the word self and the volume of mental illness cases that have been that have been happening in the world, right? And there was an obvious correlation in terms of those two graphs, those two graphs, right? Um, there's been a, a a marked rise in the use of the word self um over in the world. And it's very obvious that's how it's been the case. Um, but I have this thing, I have this sort of I don't know whether it's me just pissing in the wind, I'm not sure, but I I just have this concern that the more that we look into self, the more isolated we can find ourselves if we're not careful. So the question that I want to ask you, Shanna, is you're you're right. Happiness does come from within. Can't be happy, you can't be happy outside unless you're happy inside. And that I do completely agree with. But is there such a thing as being too self-indulgent, shall we call it, for want of a better word? To the point where you end up losing a track of reality or losing that connection with reality that inherently um, gives you the feedback as to whether you're performing to a high level or not. Well, that's where self-awareness comes in. So self to me means, you know, we've all got the oxygen mask analogy of the plane. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we put the mask on so that we can help other people. But someone has to fill the oxygen tank. And what most people do is go around helping everybody else with an empty tank and then they get resentful, their relationships aren't good, they're looking for other people to blame for their results not working, et cetera. So it's all outside. So my way is, you know, first of all, get yourself right. Mm. You know, don't you don't have to completely focus on yourself, but get the basic fundamentals of yourself right. Mental health, physical health, emotional health, know your own set of values. Most listeners out there could not actually say their top three values. What is most important to them in the world? So if we're going to build a beautiful business, house, life on top of our foundation, which is our values, you would have to start there. So mm. self-awareness has to come first. 
So when we know our values at the foundation, we can then start building and then we can start sharing and opening up the house and opening up our life to people. But what happens is a lot of people are out there looking for things for other people to lift them up. So yes, we have a team around us. I get myself a coach myself. I've been a coach for 20 years and every couple of years I get a coach. I want someone coming in. I want their energy. I want their ideas. I want them to keep me on track. I want them to shut down any stories that I might've told myself um, because we cannot do it all alone. So when we become too self-absorbed and you're not letting other people in to help you, you don't want to grow, you're not a lifelong learner, um, you do become self-absorbed. But people need to have clarity on the goal of what they're trying to achieve and how they want to feel. Mm. So when we talk about self-leadership, it is what is your vision and how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel light and joyful and abundant and do you want to share that with people? There's no, there's no joy in solo success. There just isn't. No. I mean, you watch a Usain Bolt documentary or anything like that, and they've got a stadium applauding them or a football match here in Melbourne. You've got 100,000 people applauding you. You go back to your hotel room by yourself. It's the most soul-destroying thing that you can do is come off the stage you're all alone. But when you share your success with people, when you take people on your journey and you're celebrating together, that's called fulfillment. Mm. And achievement junkies, who are the people who are too self-absorbed, I call them achievement junkies. It's like a heroin hit they keep going for. They can't share it with anybody. So they end up at the end of their career, very, very successful, very high performing, but very hollow. So high performance for me means that longevity, that yeah. depth and fulfillment piece rather than just, yes, I was very successful, but it was just a whole solo mission all the way along. I think that is a very, very, a very critical word in, in defining a high performance human. I think the, the ability to be able to sustain it and and understand when you're on fire and understand when you're under when you're under fire right and 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 when you need that sort of little bit of a helping hand to maintain that longevity in 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 being as high performing as you are i think that's i think the word longevity that's a, that's a beautiful it's huge word. sustainability Long-term success means you've got to have a plan where you're not burning out, but you also have to share things. I've been a solopreneur for 20 years, sitting in this room for 20 years. So not many people could hack that, I don't think. No. But I have a lot of outside collaborations so that I do get to share success with other people. I do get to share the stage with other people. But I've also got my own solo thing going on here because it actually does fulfill me, my solo mission, which is coaching other people. So yeah. I share in their success. So I am part of their success story and high-fiving them and supporting them. When people are doing the whole thing solo and whole thing self, I think there's not much sustainability in that. Whereas when we are a part of something bigger than ourselves and we allow to help more people than ourselves, I think that's that's where the motivation and inspiration comes to keep showing up for the long term, not burnt out, showing up as a best version of yourself 20 years down the track. Mm. And I, I love to say that I can do that because I'm in my 50s and I think I'm just starting. 
Have you, I'm sure, we, I mean, we've all experienced it. Um, how did you react or how did you, how did you play yourself out of a period of time where you certainly felt isolated in yourself? We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll probably drop into there at some stage again at some, at some point. So, but tell me how, like, was, was it an isolating experience that really was sort of a catalyst for you to go in this journey or, or what, what, how did you, how did you handle that? Well, it comes down to self-awareness. So constantly checking in and saying, what am I doing this for? Um, is it making me feel how I want to feel? And what are the results that I want? So the thought of sitting here for another 10 years doing solo work or just speaking on stage by myself, I thought that's, I can do better. Mm. I've, I've got to stretch better. So that's when the collaboration started, you know, talking with other people on stage, writing books with other people, creating mini businesses with other people, which were really focused on maybe health and wellbeing. Or the one I have at the moment is humanelevation.com. It's about taking people to the next level. Um, through life leadership and longevity with the ex-CEO of Sports Girl as I was her coach for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really finding well, what in every couple of years when you don't check in, you find yourself 10 years down the track miserable. So that constant checking in is important. Sometimes I need a lift because I'm lonely. Loneliness is what gets me because it's a solo business. Mm-hmm. So I guess I get a coach. Oh, I love my coach. It's like having a boss. I love it. Having a team, bit of water cooler talk um, and really filling in those little holes that appear occasionally. I think that's really important. And the other thing is I start to give more. I'll go and do talks at schools. Um, I'll, I'll take on some clients for, for no cost and I'll give books to charity and I start filling any of those holes in, in different ways. But that's why it comes back to self-awareness. Because if we're not constantly doing a pulse check, it's like you're running the marathon, but you're not stopping at the Gatorade stations, checking how am I feeling, where are the little niggles, what Mm. needs to happen in the next 5K. So a lot of people just run flat out. They burn out. They end up with a business that's ruining their life, ruling their life, uh, and they can't sustain it. So I don't think that's high performance. I think high performance is that calm, confident, grounded approach where we take into account our personal and professional life. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Rita, Real Estate Training Australia. Shane and the team genuinely care for the success of all of their students, not only providing them with the qualifications to enter the industry, but the skills in order to thrive. With 24-hour online support, access to one-on-one training sessions, lifetime access to industry mentors and support, as well as free job-ready training programs for anybody that gets their qualifications through their portal. They're a tremendous outfit, and they want to make sure that everybody that comes into the industry stays in the industry. For more information, make sure you head to their website, www.reta.edu. I don't know if that answered. Look, it's an amazing answer, but you you deflected away from your own personal experience quite well there. Um, and now, I, like I know you to a degree. Now, you know, we've got to know each other a bit. 
And you've had some personal challenges. You mentioned there, you know, you were a stockbroker and then you very, you know, quickly or otherwise, you found out that it was very much a man's world in the 80s there where, um, you know, there was probably a lot of things going on that that, that the world wasn't aware of because the internet wasn't kicking around and you know, right. smartphones and all the rest of it. <laughs> Um, did you find that there was, 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 was there a period in there where you really did feel very, very alone because of the fact that you were a a woman playing in a man's world? Definitely, definitely. And it's sitting in the stench of it, Mm. um, rather than, rather than trying to hide it or cover it or self-soothe in any way with alcohol or anything else. One of the most powerful things we can do is sit in the stench of what it feels like. So feeling that horrible feeling like I don't belong here, I don't Mm. like it here, this is really not making me happy being here. Uh, Actually, I don't even like this profession at all. Mm. Um, This is not for me. And and really admitting that is is really difficult, especially when your your parents are going, oh, she's in the stockbroking. You know, and to really stop and then to get a job as a secretary in a in a firm where the lawyer, you know, loved golf and said, I'll teach you how to run a business. I'm up for all of that. But there is a part where you are lonely, where you can be crippled by self-doubt. Mm. Um, I know when I wrote my first book, The Life Plan, um, everybody laughed at me. And they said, no one reads books anymore. Everyone just has a Kindle if they want something why would you write a book called The Life Plan? Um, what a waste of time. And they're, they're big dream stealers. Mm. And, you know, you come home and you sit there and yet it's lonely and it's depressing and it's 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 hard. And then you've got to think about why am I doing this? So in those moments, yeah, because they were clearly at different phases of your life, right? So, you know, the stockbroking mm-hmm. would have been pre-children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing the first book would have been post-children, mm-hmm. uh, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, obviously everybody's reasons change as they go through life. And that's where I think those Gatorade stations in life, I think, are really important to check in, right? Is my purpose still aligned with where I'm at in my life, right? I think that's really quite important. And and from a longevity point of view, that's certainly something that we all need to do a damn sight more of. Um, oh, and can I just interrupt there? Because I just had a thought. When I had chronic fatigue and mm. I could not work, Mm. that was discovering who am I without my job because my job was sponsorship where I had a lot of money, a lot of sunglasses to give away. So you can imagine everybody was my best friend. For sure. (laughs) And all of a sudden there was no emails Mm. because I had nothing to give. Mm. And the realisation was horrific. It was so depressing to realize that I'm actually nothing without my job and without that title and without all of that money to give away, I am a nothing. And that was a deep depression. And that's actually what made me study coaching because I'd, I was exactly the same as the athletes. I'd watched athletes try and retire and go into deep depressions, become alcoholics, become drug addicts, become gamblers because the drop was so big and I just experienced it then for myself. Mm. So when I started my coaching business to coach athletes into retirement and start their life plans of life after sport, 
I already knew what the depth of despair felt like because I was sitting in my home going, I don't have one friend. Wow. Mm. Wow, that's huge. Because I was my title. You would have had you would have had like friends from back in the day and whatnot though, but but did you find that that all got sort of mixed up? Yeah, like yeah, I didn't I I sort of forgot about them because I was Jerry Maguire. I'm flying around to sporting events having the time of my life. Mm. Plus, if you're really sick, like chronic fatigue, you can't even go out. You can't go and have coffee. You can't go out for dinner. You it's it's like glandular fever. You're in bed. So your life is very lonely and very dark and very empty. And and that that was like a year in bed. A year is a very, very long time. Wow. And and what was it then at that point where you really sort of, you know, you'd lost your identity, your, you know, for one of a bit, like you probably wouldn't have known what your purpose was then at that point with something as that is as long lasting as as chronic fatigue. So what what were the first baby like? What were the first baby steps? You would have needed, I would have thought, um, you would have needed someone to reach down into the hole to to help you out for sure. I did, I did. I got a coach because I had just watched high performance for the last ten years. Mm. So I saw that everybody had a coach. Nobody did it on their own. And then I was lying there thinking, why am I trying to get out of this hole on my own? Mm. So I got myself a coach. And we had to set goals like you have to walk to the letterbox Mm. and you have to record it and you have to tick it off. Um, You have to try and do the dishes and record it and tick it off. Um, You have to try and make your bed. I couldn't even make the bed. It's too tiring. And tick it off until I got around the block and I built. But there was a recording of it. And it was in the recording of it that I could see that I was progressing very, very slowly. Without the coach. I don't, I don't know what I would have done actually, but it actually made me want to become a coach and help other people like I had been helped. So there it what well, there it is. There's the there's the life-changing event that sort of opened mm. uh, you know, opened a bit of a Pandora's box, an epiphany, should we mm. call it? Um, or the silver lining to what would have been a very, very dark time. Oh, sure. I see it as the gift. I see yeah. it as the gift, absolutely, because when you have chronic fatigue, you never recover. You recover 90%. Mm. There's always 10% lurking in the background. So my life of self-awareness has to be first and foremost, constant checking in, constant boundaries, um, constant care for the asset, which is yourself, making sure the oxygen tank is full before I put the mask on, before I help everybody else. So it's become a way of life. Um, And I feel like that's the greatest gift of all because I've gone through life feeling life rather than doing life. That's a quotable line right there, by the way, gang. Um, um, so so it, it, this takes me on to another question, right? High performers, a lot of the time when you when you listen to high performers, you speak to high performers, um, a lot of them have generally had to face some sort of fairly hectic adversity of some description a lot of the time um, in order to become in order to gain that self-awareness piece that is that is so critical to sort of be the glue that sticks everything else together right why what is it in the human condition right why can't we 
discover this level of self-awareness without going through something like that? Mm, it's a good question. It's a good question, but I think you're right. Most people have had some kind of setback or life event which kickstarts a drive like no other. Like no other. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of people who are, you know, naturally born A-type overachieving perfectionists. They're the, the, the driven ones, but mm. they are few and far between. Yeah. High performers usually also um, let go of some other parts of their life. So they won't have a big social life or um, a lot of them even aren't that great with their money for some reason. Mm. Um, they're addicted to the deal or to the race or to the title or whatever it be. So the coach comes in to say, well, we need to take care of the whole property here. Mm. We can't just do one part because yeah. when you do one part too much, it comes at the cost of the others. So, you know, I've had coach like a marathon runner who who's, whose Olympics was the marathon and she goes, oh, I'm sick of running. I'm like, well, that's a bit of a problem because that's your race. <laughs> and the whole thing was because that's all she did was run. Mm. So once we started to really build in the other areas of life with some awareness about what would give her some more fulfillment in this, making some friends, um, she started making jewellery, um, she started doing a little bit of networking with people and thinking about her life after marathon running. And she's got some beautiful businesses now taking people running around the world. Um, without that, she was about to quit running. And she got another 10 years out of her career and she's built a whole thing around what she does easily and effortlessly, which is run. But it wasn't until the coach points out there's this other areas and boxes here and when you let them go, you'll actually hate what you're good at. And and, and that's what you hear quite a lot of, right? And, and I, I and, you know, bring it into the business world, into sales, the number of top salespeople that just, throw it all away because they just get so inherently sick of it because of that lack of awareness around the other elements of their life, right? So, you know, with my elements, you know, success, connection, influence, and happiness, you know, that happiness piece, you know, that's that that section there kind of just disappears um, because they're too busy chasing success and influence, right? Um, and then the connection piece, well, they, they end up becoming so disconnected from who they are um, because they feel that they have to in order to maintain this level of success because they, how dare they try and be themselves when they've built this persona of, of, of success. Right. And, and so do you think that, um, when it comes to, because a lot of times in the sports world, but you can, you can apply it everywhere. A lot of the time they don't use the term high performance. They use the, they, a lot of the time they use the term elite and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and if you're an elitist, then that can sometimes or a lot of the time be seen as quite a derogatory comment, right? Try a derogatory remark whereby um, if you're an elitist, then it means that you really don't give a stuff about anything else that's going on that's not on your level. Mm -hmm. um, and so you would have seen that countless times, I would have thought, where the level of self-sacrifice has gotten to a has gotten to a very detrimental point. Yes. Yes, definitely. So we can always get our sport analogies, can't we? We can look at the Roger Federer versus the Nick Kyrgios or whatever we like to do. But elitist is, is to the next level, and there's only two types. There's one that are very self-destructive 
and there are ones who really have it all together and they have it all together in multiple areas of their life. They are not just one. The Mm. ones who are elitist and just got that one pathway have a very destructive life underneath, like a Tiger Woods or something like that. It's underneath is turmoil. So high-performing humans who have longevity in their career um, who do have that self-awareness and self-management for all areas of their life really do have the best long-term results, I think. Yeah, and I think that they, they're the ones when they're looking at their their uh, the story of their life when they're about to call it a day and whatnot. They can look, they're the ones that tend to look back on on their lives and very have very few regrets or very few points in their life where they turn around and go, you know what, I wasn't a nice person then, or, um, uh, you know, I wish I'd have made better decisions at that point. Right. I mean, Mm. you take the Tiger Woods exam. I mean, you know, realistically he made that much money that it ended up being his life raft that, you know, any lesser successful individual would probably not have survived the onslaught that he copped but because Mm -hmm. he'd made that much money by that point he managed to sort of ride what was a a a crazily a crazy a crazily hectic storm Mm -hmm. um but for 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 the for the 99.99999 percent of humans on this planet they they won't have that second chance no, um, no, they no. don't have that second chance. So, no. um, so Shanna, I, I, I really want to, I would, I would love for you to talk to people that might be listening to this podcast where they do feel that they're at their chronic fatigue point, right? Where they, mm-hmm. where they feel that they just either cannot get it or they're really sort of devoid of purpose in their lives. Could you give us just a, a handful of things or a handful of steps that could be really, really beneficial for those people that feel that they can do more or the ones that really don't feel if they could do anything. Um, mm-hmm. What are a few steps that you feel would be really beneficial to those people? Yeah, I think burnout is huge. Um, I think that a lot of people don't have any self-care strategy. And I think the first place anyone should start in either of those scenarios is to really know their values is to really think about what's in the oxygen tank. I have to go back to the source Mm -hmm. um, and revisit the source and fill it up because that is going to give you the energy, the motivation, the inspiration, the clarity, the purpose, the direction from what the next steps are going to be. Mm -hmm. We have to go right back to the soil, right back inside and say, actually, let's just stop and see what's most important to us here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need someone to help you answer the question because you get so lost in your own head. You know, our head has got lots of viruses in it and, you know, old stories that we've been telling ourselves out and we really do need to bring in other people. If you're an athlete, you need a coach. Mm. If you want to go the next step, you need a coach. If you're burnt out, you need a coach. If you want to change direction, you need a coach. So to think that you can do it all on your own, I think is a really big trap Mm. Um, and, having the coach help you put the light back on yourself and really find out what's important, what's the next step and where do you want to get to and what are the goals and disciplines and things that will help you get there without burning out again. So for me, it was like never, ever get chronic fatigue again in your life. Mm. But also wanting to be this super-duper high performer, 
writing books, vision board kits, coaching elite, touring around on stage, raising kids, having a marriage, keeping super fit myself. I had to have someone come in and do a check, Mm. come and check the oxygen tank for me because I think I know what it is, but you might see something else. So really stopping and going back to what's most important and have I got it sorted is first. And a lot of people just don't want to go there. They really don't. Uh, I think part of the reason why at the minute society or individuals within society struggle to head to that value conversation is because I, I do feel that it's just been absolutely, you know, made a mockery of by corporations who use it as a measuring stick to beat the hell out of their employees. Right. They mm-hmm. use it as their thinly veiled KPIs. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as a result of that, a lot of people that a lot of people in the world really tend to uh, almost vomit in their mouths whenever they think about their own value set and whatnot. But it, you, what you're absolutely spot on with is until you understand the filters through which you consume information, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to be able to see a path in any way, shape or form that makes any sense or has any level of congruence with who you are as an individual. Correct. It's really, really difficult, if if not impossible. Um, so I know, I know, look, I, me coming from where I came from, working class background in the middle of England, like, even some of my mates, even now, I can see, I can hear them cringe from the other side of the world if I mention these sorts of things, right? Because they're, you know, they 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 they're pubbing a pint type guys. Some of those people, right? Um, and and but I I actually feel that there's a lot of alphas that could really probably do with this more than almost anyone. Um, oh, I love the alphas. Yes, bring them on because when they work out that their value is connection, one of their values is connection. It helps them justify why they love having a pint, you know, and and mm. so they that there is fulfilment in having a pint then even more because mm. they actually understand how important connection is for them and that's their vehicle for it. So the alphas that cringe, it's a little bit like saying, well, we're just lifting the bonnet up of the car here and we're just making sure you got the three most important things covered. That's it. It's it's that simple. We don't even have to call them values. They're just the pillars or they're the foundation or something like that. So the footballer that comes to me, my first question is, who are you without the club? And they fall off the chair. Yeah. The second question is, what are your values? Because when you have to make decisions, when you're in a compromised position in a pub, at a party, at a networking event, it's only your values that will help you make the right decision. And we all know that when you make a decision and you get a bit of a queasy feeling in your belly, that's your values talking. Yeah. They're saying, you know, it's really not the right thing for you. You know, when you've done it, you've taken the job that's not really right for you or done a deal that you think, mm, that's not really my ethics or whatever it might be. That's your mm-hmm. values talking to you. So you may as well get to know them um, and save yourself a lot of that pain. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, it's really the definition of your conscience. Team. It is. It is. Hundred percent. It's, it's the defi. It's the DNA of your conscience. Those values, and and I think for anybody that's got any aspirations of of becoming a high performing human, uh, that is that is step one. Uh, it is absolutely laying the foundation. Absolutely, 100%. step step one. Look, 
Shanna, I'm very, very conscious that I've taken up so much of your time. And, and I could talk to you forever in a day. Uh, you know, Same. I we generally Same. tend to. Um, and so, uh, look, Shanna Kennedy, thank you so, so much for joining us here on the High Performance Human Podcast. I think that the 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 seeds of gold that you have uh, planted in today's episode will help so many people in so many different phases of their lives, or whether it's business, personal, professional, whatever the case may be. I cannot thank you enough. And and you know, from my own personal point of view. Um, I want to go on record as well as to thanking you for all the help that you've uh, provided me with to this point. Um, and, and team, I, I cannot, I know I say this without about all of our, all of our guests because they're all amazing. Um, but please, if you haven't followed Shanna, go find her uh, links, uh, handles in the show notes and make sure that you follow this person. Because like I said to you at the top of the shot, the way that she exudes her direction in life and how she goes about her personal life, her professional life. It's all in alignment 100% of the time. And let's be brutally honest. There are very, very few people on this planet that can actually lay claim to be able to do that. You know, it's something that I know that I've not, I've known that I've not quite made it yet. Um, I know that there's the majority of people that I know you haven't made it yet. But Shanna Kennedy is absolutely one of those people. So follow her and you're nuts if you don't. Um, thank you so much, Shanna. I really, really appreciate you being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I love our chats and I love working with you. And we could talk for hours, I know. But we've all got to protect the asset, you know, and we've all got to think about long-term, not just short-term gain. And yep. we've got to pace the race, you know. Life is a marathon and we need to pace it um, and and make sure that we're there still in 10 years' time doing a great job. Absolutely. Team, please stay safe, healthy, happy as always. If you do have any questions or comments, please make sure that you reach out to us. You can reach out to me on my Instagram handle at Andy Reed Coaching, um, or you can get in touch with us via email as well. Until next time, though, team, thank you so much for joining us on the High Performance Human Podcast, and we'll look forward to chatting to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The High Performance Human. Hopefully, we've given you enough value to justify the time that you've given us. And we've got you that much closer to becoming your version of a high performance human. If you want to have any questions answered, then please feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram at Andy Reed Coaching, or alternatively, shoot me an email, andy at andyreed.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thank you so much for joining us once again, and I really can't wait to hopefully bring you some more value in the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, most importantly, stay happy.